Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. Proverbs 2 verse 1 to 3. My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, then you shall understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Ladies and gentlemen, destiny does not belong to a crowd. Neither does destiny, you'll never find destiny in the midst of people. You're getting what I'm saying? Destiny is not even revealed to a crowd of people. Destiny belongs to the individual, and not just individual, the individual who makes the Lord to be his abode. Destiny belongs to the individual who makes the Lord to become his reference. Destiny belongs to the, to, 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 to the individual who makes the Lord to be his solace. Destiny also belongs to those individuals who are willing to sacrifice everything in order to live in the reality of God. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, that when we talk about destiny in this particular context, it is the fulfillment of life of an individual in revealing the purpose of God. Destiny is for those individuals who manifest the life of the Lord. And that is also to say that destiny is basically manifesting the purpose of God. Because, friends, the reason as to why we are alive is to manifest the purpose of God. The truth of the matter, beloved, is that life is all about revealing God's purpose. Where there is no purpose, there is no life. Hallelujah. And then, the other thing that um, I want to submit to us and this is something that God dropped in my spirit. Uh, this must have been, I think, a Friday evening. Uh, of course, you might see it as though it is something which is a repetition, but it's not a repetition. One thing you must know is that the word of God has never changed. From everlasting to everlasting, God's word is the same. In fact, the Bible says the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Or rather, in another version, the word of God is forever established in heaven. So the word has never changed. The word is forever immutable. And then the other thing you must know is that the message of God's word also does not change. The message of the word of God remains the same. Of course, the message is Christ. And you know... When it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the message of God, nothing can be added, neither can anything be subtracted. Human beings may try to add, human beings may try to, you know, you know, to, sub, to subtract, human, human beings may try in, in every way possible to misinterpret what God is saying, but the truth is this, from scripture, you can never change the message of God's word, it remains as it is, beloved, you cannot subtract it. And you know, the only difference when it comes to the message, the only difference insofar as the word of God is concerned, is the specific language that God gives to be used for delivering God's word. It is the language, beloved, you know? Because, you know, every minister of the gospel, every preacher who is authentic, is given a specific language that carries the power to express the mind and the heart of God. Now, you know, when I talk about language, probably some of you people are thinking that I'm talking about Luo, English, and so on. No, beloved, the language in this particular case that is given by God, it is not necessarily human lingo. 
The language that I'm talking about, which God gives to an individual and especially a prophetic mouthpiece, is the spiritual expression of divine wisdom. This language, you must understand, beloved, it is the wisdom that carries the power to articulate the mind of God to those who are within a, a unique context of understanding. It is not normal language. You see, I can be speaking to you English, but the truth of the matter is, in my conveying the message under this series of divine wisdom, the usage of my language is not just English. There is a divine language that God has given me within English that enables me to be able to articulate the mind of God, to speak his heart to those of us who are within the context of understanding. In other words, it is possible to be attending this service and yet you're not within the context of understanding. For you, as far as you're concerned, you've attended a service. But to others, they have positioned themselves within an ambience, within a context of not just ordinary understanding, but divine understanding. Because, beloved, there is a context of unique understanding that requires the power of God's wisdom to enunciate the truth of divine life through the use of divine revelation in a spiritual way. And that is why every minister of the gospel or any person who is sharing God's word, you must know that every one of them has been given a language. The language that my father and the Lord uses to, to preach the gospel is different from mine. Of course, you know, there are some of the friends of Bishop Mulumbi who, who, who claim, I don't know whether to, to say claim, let me, let, let me use the word claim carefully. Uh, some of them have actually claimed that I preach like him, that I'm very much similar like him. Um, I really don't know. Because I've tried to listen to my father and the Lord preach, and I've also been able to balance it with also my preaching. I think, the, uh, as they always say, you cannot be a good judge of your own message. But you can judge any other person's message. Um, but the truth is this. I cannot minister God's word exactly the same as Bishop Bulumi. There have been times we've stood on the pulpit together preaching the same message, but how he brings it out is different from how I bring it out. But at the same time, we are operating within the same, same atmosphere. So it, it, it's very important for us to understand, beloved, that God gives every person a unique language. I would want to refer to it as a language within a language. Okay? It is a language that God gives a minister of the gospel to express the potential of divine power vested in the pristine identity of that minister to be able to reveal the counsel of God. Beloved, every minister of the gospel is given a language to reveal the, uh, to, 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 or rather to be able to, to deliver the revelation of God's word according to the spirit of understanding, which that minister has been given by God by reason of the grace of God upon his life. You're getting what I'm saying? Because there's no preacher that I know the world over who ministers outside understanding. There's an understanding that God gives a man of God or a woman of God or any person who is, who is in the business of the gospel uh, to be able to deliver the heart of God, the mind of God, or rather, let's put it this way, the wisdom of God for the purposes of our series. And it has to be on the basis of spiritual understanding. And we always operate within the ambit of grace. And then the other thing you must also understand about revelation is that revelation of the word of God is according to time and season. Okay? You see, what God revealed to me five years ago is revelation that was on the basis of the season and time of five years ago. If I try to speak the same, same message right now, beloved, without the breath of the Spirit of God, it will not have any profound effect 
in the lives of those who are listening to me. Not that the message is immaterial, but the kind of relevance it's supposed to have sufficed five years ago. It may not suffice right now. You get what I'm saying, beloved? You see, the Bible, as, 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 as the book which is the entirety of the divine body of knowledge, the scriptures themselves, they are inspired by the Spirit of God. But you must understand that in as much as the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are inspired, it will take the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom and counsel to bring forth that which is written in the Bible to be able to be spirit and life for you today. In other words, there has got to be a journey that God must induct us to come to the place whereby within the scriptures we are able to identify the gates of wisdom that open us up to the revelation of God so that we are able to flow with that revelatory spirit that ushers us to a place where we are able to experience life or else the scriptures will be just the letter. And you know the scriptures minus inspiration may not suffice. Even if you cram, even if you... You, you, you know, even if you take the Bible and put it on your chest and say, this word, I've hid I'm hiding it in my, word, in my heart that I may not sin against you. The truth of the matter is that you may sin. I'm saying you may sin. But the spirit of truth, the spirit who inspires, or rather who inspired the authorship of scripture, must lead you into all truth. And that was a challenge that the Pharisees, and the Sadducees experienced together with the teachers of the law. They had no understanding of time and season when Jesus appeared. You get what I'm saying, beloved? Jesus appeared, in it, but they didn't know. So it's possible for you to know the scriptures. Or even a message that you listened from, probably a message by, by Maurice Cerullo. Or um, a message by probably, let me look at some of these wonderful ministers, Joyce Meyer. You know, she was, she's a very powerful woman of God. But the truth of the matter is that the message that Joyce Meyer preached in 2003, good as it is, it sufficed at that time. Now, does that mean that we should not refer back to messages in time past? No, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to tell us is that for that message to be applicable in your life today, you need the Holy Ghost to lead you into all truth insofar as that message is concerned today. Because there's a relevance of, of, of any sermon that you require today that, cannot, that, that was not necessarily there in the time when it was first delivered. That is how to approach the things of God. Even how we serve. If you're serving and you're serving without revelation, my friends, you're a performer. You're not a servant of God. You know, you can do things, but the question is, what is the motivation? You see, beloved, you must understand that there is a grace and an anointing upon a person who is the mouthpiece of God that equips that person to be able to serve the purpose of God for his or her generation. The delivery of God's word and I'm just helping you understand, preachers, the delivery of the word of God by any minister of the gospel must be in accordance with grace and anointing. Okay? Grace is basically the expression of power. Okay? And the anointing is basically the conference of, 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 of an atmosphere. Because you say you can have power, but if you do not have the atmosphere for you to be able to function, the truth of the matter is you may not be able to deliver the word of truth. Then the other thing you must also understand, I've said this in, another, in, in a different way, but I want to just repeat it uh, for the purposes of emphasis, that there are aspects of the revelation of God's word that may be disclosed to a minister of the gospel who is a prophetic mouthpiece, but he may not necessarily be equipped to deliver it to his or her generation at that particular point in time. You get what I'm saying? And the reason is 
that prophetic mouthpiece is not allowed to handle what has been committed to the upcoming generation who have the language that suffices for that generation. And I will tell you this of a truth, to God's glory. There are lots of things that God has told me about your generation, about the generation after you, about the generation uh, 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 that will come probably after the generation that comes after your generation. But the truth is this. The Spirit of God cannot allow me to deliver that message because I don't have the language. I have the insight, but I have, I have no language. First of all, it is not yet time for that message to be delivered. Number two, I do not have the language. I can only operate within the boundaries of my grace. And remember, you, if you remember the sermon on consecration, a person who's consecrated is only supposed to operate within his fear or has fear of consecration. That's the truth of the matter. I cannot go out of that. So there are things that, I'm, that I know, but God can never allow me to speak about them because I don't have the language. He has ordained a generation after me. People that will rise that he is going to anoint and he is going to grace to be able to handle things that I cannot handle. That's the truth of the matter. If I try to do that, it will not suffice. I may end up spoiling. And that is why it is important to be the kind of a person who listens to the impetus of the Spirit of God in your life. Hallelujah, beloved. Now, going deeper into uh, my message, you see, the word of God over your life is the word of your destiny. When I talk about the word of God over your life, I'm not just talking about a word of rebuke, a word of admonition, and so on. I'm talking about the word of God over your life. The word that God has spoken prophetically. A word that describes who you are in him. Not a word such as I am more than a conqueror. That is for every one of us. That is if at all you are not, but at least I am. And if I am a conqueror, you also are a conqueror. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that specific word that is the breath of God that talks about who you are way beyond the veil of visibility. That is the word of your destiny, beloved. Because you, you must understand that the word of God over your life reveals you to the world that you're ordained to serve. That is the word that reveals you. It is the word that reveals the person of Mrs. Mandela. The word that reveals the person of last but That is if at all he's aware of what I'm saying. The word of God that, you know, that reveals, um, you know, uh, Esther Mulia and so on. And that word can never be changed. It doesn't matter what Esther goes through. Let's take it further. It doesn't even matter if Esther were to backslide today. That word remains. If she backslides, God may keep quiet and allow her to have some good time in backsliding. And then later on, God convicts and she comes back. That word will still be waiting for her. Nobody else can enter into the atmosphere of the word of God concerning Esther. Because every word over your life is an atmosphere. It is an atmosphere as well as also a fortress. And the only person who is allowed to occupy the fortress of the word of God over your life is you. You get what I'm saying? Nobody else can occupy that word. It is only you. If you check out, nobody else is allowed there. You have to come back in. Because God was not out of his mind when he spoke that word. And remember, beloved, you see, the word of God over your life was not spoken at the time when you received a prophetic word. Those of you like prophecy. That word was spoken in eternity. How do I know that? Jeremiah, speaking by the Spirit of God, he says, before you were formed in the womb of your mother, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. That word was spoken. And when that word was spoken, Jeremiah existed as a prophet in eternity before the earth's foundations were laid. Yes, there were other prophets that God spoke about 
Amos was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. But the atmosphere of the word of God for Jeremiah could not be occupied by Daniel. Only Jeremiah. You getting what I'm saying, beloved? Only Jeremiah could occupy that atmosphere. Hmm? So, beloved, that word is the word of your destiny. And that word is the word that reveals you to the world. Of course, when you're born, you might probably not have, may have heard anyone speak concerning you. And even if somebody spoke when you're still a baby, assuming that probably you, someone may have spoken to your parents when you were a baby, understand this. Until the fullness of time for you to be announced to your generation, nothing happens. You see, Jesus was spoken over, or rather about, even before he was born. Jesus was spoken throughout the Old Testament. Jesus was spoken for the first time to Mary. And then later on to Joseph, despite the fact that Joseph wanted to abdicate his responsibility. Because he felt that this thing was going to be funny. What will people say? Those of you who, 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 who are always mindful about society understand this. Sometimes you just need to overlook what society says, especially where God is concerned. Jesus was spoken about, but remember Jesus was not revealed until at the time when he was being baptized. And for him to be revealed, God had to send a forerunner called John the Baptist. John had to announce Jesus as the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. And you know the announcement of John about Jesus happened even before Jesus showed up. That's, that's another unique thing. And you know, when John spoke about Jesus, immediately Jesus submitted himself to the baptism. That is when now the voice came from heaven and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. That is when Jesus was announced, officially. So that announcement is very fundamental. Because you know, there are things God can speak about us at a personal level that you know, but beloved, there has got to be a time whereby that word over your life must be announced. Because without that announcement, you cannot be revealed to your generation. And you see, no man or woman of God who is in his or her right senses will make that announcement unless he or she is moved by the Spirit. You know, there are things that I know about, um, I think almost every one of you, but I can tell you this of a truth, that there are things that I will announce, but at the right time. And there are things I'm not supposed to announce. And it is not in my business to figure out who will announce, even though I may be a father. Because remember, me being a father over you is delegated authority. It is not absolute authority. It is a privilege, not a right. You get what I'm saying, friends? I'm only responsible for the move of God over this vision. And that is what I pastor, the move of God. But about your soul, I'm only supposed to do what I'm supposed to do according to what God wants, not according to what I feel and desire. And the word of God over your life, beloved, is the word of your destiny that can only be announced to you when that time actually comes, beloved. Because remember, the word of God over your life is the bedrock of your life. It is the foundation of your life. It is what enables you to have definition. It describes your path, your journey to destiny. That word, it has each and everything that you need. You're getting what I'm saying? You know, this idea of looking for prophets to speak over you, over what God has already spoken, is a waste of time. And that is how the devil raises up false prophets. He brings up false prophets to come and speak to us, and they end up confusing or they end up twisting what God has said. So you end up now touching base with something which is not supposed to be there. Because when God speaks to you, remember, that word comes to you in a seed form. Now that word is packaged with the answers to the prayers you made in the past, 
the prayers you're making right now and the prayers you're going to make in the days to come. That word contains insights and codes of wisdom that you are supposed to decode or crack to access the reservoir of the resources that you have, supernatural resources in this particular case. That word that God has spoken over your life, it will, it, will, it will describe the kind of journey you're supposed to take and who is supposed to come in at what point and who checks out and why. That word will tell you where are you supposed to stop and at what point you're supposed to transition. You know, people talk about transitions, but many times, you know, I look at brethren in the body of the Lord and I really marvel. You transition because you feel like, not because God has said. So, you know, you end up transitioning and where you think you're supposed to be, after some time you discover you are never meant to be there. But it's because you never consulted the counsel of God's will, which is the word of God over your life, as to how and when you're supposed to transition. You've heard me describe righteousness as follows. Righteousness is knowing what God wants, not what you want. Then righteousness also talks about when God wants you to do what he wants. Now, the part where people miss it, how? And how is wisdom? You can know what God wants. You can know even the timing, but how? And by the way, I'm talking out of experience. This guy never fell. I never came from the sky. I have made mistakes. So you're talking to someone who is so broken and has known obedience out of the things that he has gone through in life. And that is why as an elder, when I advise some of you on certain things, it's because I know I have also been where you are. And you know, it is better for you to learn from an elder. Who is able to tell you, this path I have been? Don't go this path. I can tell you that there are mistakes that I made in life because I didn't have anybody to correct me. You know, let me tell you one thing about life. There are certain things you have to do that nobody else will tell you because God also wants you to learn certain things the hard way to humble you. I'm telling you, that is wisdom. But there are some things that you can actually avoid. But there are those things that are so unique to you that even if you came to Bishop Gobang, I may not even have the insight to advise you. You'll be on your own. Because there are things God has to help you on your own. You know, there's wisdom that comes by experience. Especially when you're going through dealings. Divine dealings. Not dealings as a result of your foolishness. Divine dealings. You're getting me? And then there are mistakes we make in life that God will help us after we've, we've, we, after we've understood the purpose of the pain we are in. Then God cleans you up. You know? You must understand, beloved, that as a son of God, you are supposed to live for the word of God over your life in the reality of his purpose. You are supposed to leave that word and make that word be your life. You get what I'm saying, beloved? You are, and you know, one thing I've discovered about the word of God over my life is that I cannot grow outside the word of God over my life. My growth must be within the context of that word of God. Remember the word of God is an atmosphere. Yes. That word of God carries a uniqueness of the presence of the divine. That presence of the divine basically demarcates certain boundaries. Let me even put it this way. That word of God is the estate of your life. It is the holy estate of your life and you must operate there because that word carries your own unique consecration. For you to step out of that word and begin to do other things amounts to foolishness. Because, friends, you cannot have life devoid of the word of God over your life. You can't. Because that word of God over your life is loaded with all the wisdom that you need. At every, 
at, at, at every successive transition that you go through, there is a wisdom that is locked up in the seed of the word of God over your life. Beloved, understand that word of God is life in you. That word of God is life through you. That word of God is the expression of the love of God for you. That's the truth of the matter. And God wants you and I to live our lives in the reality of the word of God over our lives. Now, let's also go further and, 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 and underscore one thing. God's word over your life is not a statement of truth. It's not a belief system. Let me even take it further. The word of God is not just a mere declaration of his mind. Okay? That word is the scope of his eternal substance, which he has given you to abide in. That word of God is the tangibility of the nature of God. It is the tangibility of, 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 of the sum total of the attributes of God that he expects you to collide with and to be able to encounter and interact with to the extent whereby you undergo a transformation for you to become what God wants you to become. And remember, this word is specific. It's not collective. The word of God over your life is sufficient to teach you everything about the attributes of God. It is sufficient to teach you the nature of God. It is sufficient to, you know, to take you through a school of sanctification, a school of consecration. You're getting me, friends? That means if you try to step out of that word, you're stepping out of the presence of God. You're getting me? Because that word creates a unique presence in your life. That word carries a grace. And you know, whenever we lay hands on people and we speak over them, we are basically activating nothing else except that word. I may not even utter that word to you. But the truth of the matter is, there is a divine uttering or other utterance that you are able to sense from within the womb of your spirit and you are able to perceive that this is God speaking. The only thing that a man of God or a woman of God comes to do to you is to confirm what you know. But the challenge is sometimes people don't know because they are not even sensitive. You're just walking in foolishness. When God speaks to you, you are just there. That's why some of you, whenever we tell you what God has called you to be, you don't believe because you don't, you, 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 it's like you're just going through the motions, you know. God wants you to live your life in the reality of his word. But the challenge with a lot of people, we are living in the reality of a statement. I want you to understand this. I am not an apostle because it's a title. To other people, being apostolic is a title. But for me, I understand it as an office. Now, an office is not a place where there's a mahogany desk. An office is a sphere. An office is a realm. It is a realm, it is a sphere. It is what I would call, if I may describe it this way, an office is basically um, a divine jurisdiction of the consciousness of Christ. It is a consciousness that I have within me, the, con the, the consciousness of Christ that makes me understand my jurisdiction as an apostle. That is now how I describe the apostolic office. Okay? It is a divine consciousness the consciousness of Christ, the chief apostle, that has been conferred upon me in my capacity for the purposes of functioning. Because, you know, you can be called an apostle, but that is it. But when you understand the consciousness of Christ the apostle, and you tap into it, that enables you to be able to maximize on the grace or to activate the grace of the apostle that enables you to function, that teaches you what to say and, not what, and, and what not to say. It teaches you what to do and not what to do, and so on. You're getting me? Even the bishopric, the bishopric office is an administrative office. 
It is one of those administrative capabilities that God confers upon somebody. Because you see, uh, when you look at the definition of a bishop, basically in biblical terms, a bishop is basically a, a general overseer or an elder, a senior elder. Okay? And you take care of the spiritual affairs of people. Now, a bishop is basically a pastor of pastors. Okay? To be a bishop does not mean you must have several branches. You know, <laughs> the devil has messed things up in the body of, of the Lord. That for me to be a bishop, I must have branches. Let me tell you, you can have branches, but you're not bishopric. You lack the administrative capability. And you know, we are moving to a time whereby, and I say this with a lot of humility, a lot of branches of churches are going to close down. There's going to be such a shaking in the body of Christ that people will not understand what is going on. Because God wants to align his body to a place whereby it will not matter whether you're in infamy or not. I'm telling you, the kind of cross-pollination that will happen in the body of Christ will shock some people, especially those who are so comfortable, who possess members. Because, beloved, I have come to understand one thing in, as a pastor. I don't own anyone. And bear in mind, I'm, you're not the only people that submit to me as a pastor. I have very many out there. Yes, they are there. Quite a number. That's why when you joke around here, I just look at you with two eyes and I start focusing on those ones out there. And those ones who are out there do not necessarily have to be here. God allows those who are supposed to be here to be here. And they are here for a purpose. That's why if you don't know why you are here, my friends, I don't know how I'll help you. I'll just look at you with the two eyes. Hello. Hello. Now, the word of God over your life, understand that this word is released to you as a seed. Now, we know very well that every seed must germinate and grow, isn't it? The same, same thing you must understand about the word of God. The word of God must be allowed to grow inside of you. You must allow that word that God has declared about you in eternity to grow. That word must grow inside of you because, you know, when, 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 when this word begins to grow inside of you, what will happen is that you'll be able to tap into your inner self to be able to draw out the maximum potential that is vested within your pristine identity. There are people who, they have been believers for years, they have even received prophecies, but nothing is growing. Nothing is growing. If anything, they are the ones who are suppressing the growth of that word. Hmm? Remember, the word over your life is basically an atmosphere. But for it to be able to have effect, you must allow the seed of that word, which, is now the, which comes from the atmosphere of the, of, of, of the eternal announcements of God, to infuse the womb of your spirit, to, get it, to, to, you know, to, to access your identity so that you may actually grow. Because, beloved... It is only the word of God over your life that is your access code to your pristine identity. There is a connection between the word of God over your life and your pristine identity, beloved. And until you allow that word to find root in you, we will talk about identity until Jesus comes. It's true. You'll have all the information about identity. We'll even do leadership and trainings and seminars and so on. And everything is about identity here, identity here, whereby God is speaking to the heart and so on, but nothing is happening. That's the truth of the matter. And that is why the most fundamental thing that we must consider in our journey as believers is we must come to a place of obedience to the word of God. Because, beloved... Obedience to the word facilitates you to tap into the potential you carry within your identity so that your life becomes easy. Now, when I talk about obedience to the word, I'm not just talking about the word of God over your life. I'm talking about obedience to everything that God speaks in Scripture. 
It is not you obeying one aspect and 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 and, and being treacherous in 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 your in, in in your in your endeavor to disobeying another. You're getting me, friends. Whereby you'll only obey an aspect of the word of God that tells you that you should tithe and you bring your tithe. And then the word that you don't like, which is obedience, you disobey. Yeah? You, 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 you get what I'm saying? When it comes to your parents, you don't like them, but you're tithing. You bring your tithes to church, to infamy, or wherever, you obey. But you do not know that tithing is also predicated by obedience to delegated authority. And a lot of times people are not growing in their lives because they disobey the word of God. Okay? And you find that because of that, you are not even growing. And as, and as a result, there's a potential that you carry within your pristine identity that you're not able to tap into. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? And you know the reason is because a lot of Christians or believers, I, I never like the word Christians, but I'll, I'll try to, I'll see if I can be using it or not using it depending on which is applicable. But let me say it nonetheless. A lot of Christians in the body of Christ, they struggle with something called logical sense. They think that spiritual realities are actually understood by the logic of sense. But the truth of the matter is that spiritual realities can never be comprehended by the logic of sense. Okay? The actuality of your spiritual life or matters of the spirit, you cannot comprehend them by mere logic of sense. Understand that spiritual actualities are comprehended by the revelation of the spirit of God. Okay? Now, you remember... Last Sunday, I said something, that there are people who are not able to hear the voice of God, but they hear the sound of God. But I want to submit today that there is also another category of people in the body of the Lord who are able to hear God. A lot of people, their problem is not that they cannot hear God. They hear God very well, okay? But the thing is this. The biggest problem is that they do not want to hear what God is saying, even when they are praying to hear. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that these people, much as they know that this is what God is saying, they do not want to listen. Hearing, they hear. Let me take it further. They even have the understanding of what God is saying, but the truth is, they do not want. You see? And you know, most times, majority of us knows what God is saying. Whether you're conscious of it or not, you know what God is saying. And none of you can actually tell me you do, you've never heard the voice of God. You've heard. You have heard it's just that there are certain things, there are certain challenges that you have allowed to be in your life that makes you not even be cognizant of the fact that God is speaking. Many people in church, and, and, and when I talk about church, I'm also very specific to infamy. Many people in infamy know the voice of God to a greater extent. And they even understand what God is saying. The problem is that they do not want to listen to the voice of God. You know, I mean, you know, you, you, you know that this is God speaking. I mean, Deacon uh, Mary Kamau did a very good devotion that most of us who joined this church, you found yourself being prophetic, not because I laid hands on you. It's because you found yourself within a prof... You, you came into what I, I would refer to as a prophetic culture. You tapped into it. I never laid hands on you. People just started flowing in the prophetic. You, you know how God speaks. But the truth is this. You don't want to listen to what God is saying. Hmm? So subsequently, you refuse to hear God. You just refuse. You refuse. You refuse to hear. And, and subsequently, what happens is you end up rejecting the voice of God because it does not resonate with the desires of your heart. Hello? And you see, the reality of the matter is this. What God is saying is not what you want to hear. Whatever God tells most of us here is not what you necessarily want to hear. 
And, that, and, and you know, funny enough, that is not even the worst uh, part of it. You know, for those of us who are charismatic, we don't tell ourselves the truth, and we own up in our, uh, we, we, we end up in our own, in, in our own disobedience. Mm. We just want to do what we desire to do. Mm. We do what we actually want to do, and then, like most Pentecostals, we say we were led. And there was no leading. Because I can tell you, beloved, for me to tell you that I have been led by God, let me not talk about it. For me, there has to be fruit. If there is no fruit in whatever I'm telling you, beloved, I'm lying. Let God be God and let every man a liar. That is a problem with a lot of charismatics. It's not just even in infamy. It is, it is a problem in the body of Christ. You know, I meet pastors and they share things and so on. People lead themselves into stuff. You, you lead yourself into a business and you end up getting losses. And then you say the devil. But the truth is that there was no devil there. It was you. I mean... Um, Eve tried that thing. The serpent beguiled me. Was she absolved from the consequences? No. She was drawn by her, 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 her own lustful desires. You see? We must understand, beloved, the voice of God, if it is still the voice of God, that is the voice of your destiny. It is not the voice that leads you unto damnation. And then the other thing I want to tell you about the voice of God. This voice is not very far from you. This voice is within you. <laughs> you know, many times, we, okay, we, we normally pray lifting up our hands, which is fine. It's, I mean, it's a prophetic act. But the truth is that voice will not come from up. <laughs> Let me ask you, for those of you who, who speak in tongues, do you normally see a sign coming? Like on the day of Pentecost? Jesus said, out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Anyone who is born again is capable of speaking in tongues. Forget about this wrong doctrine that people discredit tongues. I mean, if you're not able to speak in tongues, that's your problem. It's not mine. I've not stopped you. But the thing is this, biblically, they all spoke in tongues, the 120. Yes. And that has been, I mean, anywhere when you look at the Acts of the Apostle, wherever the apostles went, when they laid hands on people, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke in tongues. But you see, the tongues do not come from here, from the laying of hands. The laying on of hands, what it does, it activates. There's, there's a certain grace and virtue that is, is transmitted from where the language is, and it comes forth. Anyone who is born again is capable, okay? And that is how you learn to hear the voice of God. The voice of God is within you, beloved. You get what I'm saying? Let me even put it this way. The voice of God carries your own voice. It is not a strange voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because whenever you speak in tongues, isn't that the spirit of God? Now, that voice that, you, that causes you to speak in tongues, whose voice is it? The times you've had me speak in tongues of messages, have I produced any, <laughs> any sound that makes you feel, okay, this is not now Gobanga, that deep voice. Okay, my voice is deep. Now which voice can I use? Is it baritone or whichever? That tenor voice, that soprano voice. If I start speaking soprano, you'll think that I'm possessed. You, you guys will just take off. It's true. God will use my voice to cause me to speak in tongues. The same way if God is speaking to me, beloved, God speaks to me within 
my voice. Because, you know, many people, <laughs> hey, how we understand even God is so interesting. Many people expect to hear some strange, booming voice so that you know that God is talking. Let me tell you, and let me give you an example in, in Scripture. When God manifested himself in the mountain, to the children of Israel, it was thunder and lightning. What happened to those guys? They told Moses, we are not approaching that mountain. Go sort out things with that God of yours. We don't know what's going on. You know how to figure things out. We are going to be here. Just in case things go wrong, we go to Egypt. But we jipange, mambo huko. And you know that is how people behave even in church? You want the pastor to do everything for you, but yet you're so lazy, you can't even seek God for yourself. Beloved, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ. Hmm? Hmm? You get what I'm saying? God's voice is not the voice of thunder. Okay? The voice of God carries the texture of your voice. The texture of your voice, or rather the texture of God's voice, is basically the sound of your voice. And it comes in, 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 in its purest sense. And you see, understand, beloved, did you know that God can speak through any sound of everything he's created? Yes, he can. We see that in scripture, you know. But you find that whenever God wants to interact with mankind, the sound of his voice comes forth from within. And it carries the vibration of your own sound, the sound of your voice, not from without, beloved. Because, you know, yeah, we, we know very well how God would speak to people, even through circumstances. Okay? Because that's also one way in which God can speak to us, through circumstances in your life. God can speak to you even through other people. You know, when you're having a conversation with a friend uh, at Kilimanjaro, for those of you who are veterans of Kilimanjaro restaurant, with all the poisoning that... Because uh, I'm looking at veterans here and I'm, I'm just tempted to mention names. But anyway, not everybody gets food poisoning in Kilimanjaro, so let me not spoil the business. But the thing is this. Um... You go maybe to a restaurant such as that and you're just having coffee and you're just talking. And as you have that conversation with your friend, you discover that this person is actually answering your prayers. The person may not even know that he or she is being used by God. You get what I'm saying? Let me even take it further. The person may not even be a believer. Or you think, ah, God cannot speak through Asina and so on. What the heck? What makes you think that you're better? Put away that holier-than-thou attitude. God uses anybody. If God used a donkey to call out the madness of a prophet, don't you think God can also speak to a person who is a sinner? And at that particular point, the sinner himself is the mouthpiece of God. And maybe the reason why God would use such a vessel is because you don't listen to those who are brethren. So God decides to take you through a hard experience of, of using a sinner. Okay? But you must understand, for you to be able to know this is the voice of God, there has got to be a transition from the voice, the means through which God is speaking, right into your, own, into your very, very own voice. When you have a conversation with somebody and then you begin to sense within you that God is answering your prayer, it has to be from the vibration of your own particular voice. Okay? So don't expect to hear any other sound. Hello? Don't expect to hear... The, I mean, here's the thing. Even if that sound appears to be external, there has got to be a transition within you from the external to the internal, so that within, within the intrinsic nature of your being, you'll be able to tell by discernment that this is God speaking. Okay? You get what I'm saying? That is why it is possible even for me as a father to know this son of mine is not speaking as a son, he's speaking as a prophet. 
if I'm foolish enough and say, okay, this is just Musha uh, is speaking, I'll miss out on God. You know, it doesn't matter how mature you are. All that matters is whether you're in a position of being able to hear what God is actually saying. You know? And you know, the challenge with our age is that we live in a time whereby we hear many opinions but very little wisdom. Everyone has an opinion, even in church. We all have opinions, you know? And you know, we live in a time of unparalleled knowledge. Okay? And you know, everything that we practically want to know is available, even in libraries. We are even able to Google. If I want to know about the use of a particular drug, I don't need to go to the doctor. I'll just Google. Dr. Google is there to tell me everything. Dr. Dr. Google is, a, is, is basically the doctor of medicine, the doctor of surgery and everything. Google will tell you everything. That's the truth of the matter. We just go search and you get to know everything from your phone, from, you know, you know, from your laptop and so on. But you know, nowadays, funny enough, now talking about libraries, do you know nowadays we, we no longer go to physical libraries? We don't necessarily go to those libraries whereby they are filled with so many books or knowledgeable people to teach us what they alone know, not what God knows. Okay? But you must understand that we still need help to interpret the available knowledge. Because if there is no interpretation of the knowledge which is available to you, you might use it to your destruction. Okay? We live in a time whereby we've become familiar with concepts such as fake news. Hmm? Fake news. We live in a time whereby factual information is manipulated. Okay? Information sometimes may be biased. And you know, facts by definition cannot be false. That's the truth of the matter. It is either we have the truth or we have falsehood. And that is why we need the help of God to be able to sort out what is truth from what is actually false. But you know, friends, there's one irony that, I, that, I, that, that, that I've observed when, when I look at our society, that despite the fact that many people swim in all kinds of knowledge, most people in the contemporary society have an amazing capacity to be fools. I'm not insulting anybody, so don't get offended. And if you're offended, start healing. If you're a son of Isaac Gobanga, my friend, and he insults you, you have to heal or else a slap will land on you. We learned how to heal on the spot. You heal. You don't start carrying grudges. Okay, it worked in our time. You guys, uh, you, you, you can't survive that. If, you, if, I was expose, if I was to expose you to that, you'll call me a narcissist. I've been called a narcissist before, and it's okay. It is okay. I don't think I know how to defend myself. <laughs> you can insult this guy and say everything you want to say, but it's your problem. It's you dying, not me. Was that savage? No, that was not savage. Mrs. Omol. Sinikompole. Okay. It's the truth. But how was it presented? Savage love, oh my God, okay. Wow. Dealing with millennials and, 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 and a few Gen Zs. It's quite an, an, an amazing thing, you know. And that's why, beloved, I told us last Sunday that every year, from the time when I got born again, each and every year I had to learn one thing. I would always tell God to teach me how to be a believer in the new year. And now that I'm a pastor, I'm a bishop, my pastoral experience in 2022 or in 2023 cannot apply in 2024. So I always approach 
the presence of God like I have never been a pastor before. My pastoral experience in Eastlands cannot apply here. I told you my experience in Eastlands, whereby, you know, I'm lefty. Sometimes, you know, I would communicate with my, you know, I don't know whether it can still land, but maybe it can. Yeah. Sometimes I would get, I would, I would lose it and just, you know, release it. You lead people in the right direction. Oh, okay, that's new. But you see, friends, I can't do that right now. Moreover, I've grown out of it. Okay? It, it, it's not even in me. You know? I've learned to be a believer for 2024, and I'm still learning to be a believer for 2024. You must also learn what it means to be a believer in this year. Otherwise, if you rely on last year, it will never work. Okay? You know, wisdom is very important because, friends, wisdom will deliver you from the grip of foolishness as well as also from the influence of fools. You know, we live in a society whereby there are people who are fools. And there's an atmosphere of foolishness all around us. And sometimes it's very insidious. You'll never know. The people who are very foolish appear to be very wise. I'm telling you out of experience. You hang out with somebody and you think this person is the most amazing person, only to discover that this individual is an inflated fool. You tap into an atmosphere and you think that whatever you're sensing, the frequency is wisdom, but the truth of the matter is that it is an influence of foolishness, all orchestrated by the demonic world. Because, friends, we are all educated, and thank God for our education, Okay? Some of us, we have the basic level, which is undergraduate. Others, we proceeded to postgraduate, okay? And I'm sure there are those who are anticipating to do their PhD. But you know, beloved, despite your education, you can easily be duped. Yes? That's what the Bible says, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all who follow his precepts have good understanding. Psalms 111, verse 10. Because, friends, God created us, and he knows how best we function, and he can share with us a knowledge that you'll never learn from any school. You get what I'm saying? God can teach us understanding by revelation. God can teach us instruction. He can indeed also infuse in us creative ideas. But all this must be rooted in wisdom. Almost everybody in infamies are creative, but the question is, is your creativity rooted in wisdom? I have seen people here who have very amazing ideas, but unfortunately, there was lack of wisdom. So you find that your creativity ends up becoming your ruin. So there's got to be a wisdom, beloved, because wisdom is very fundamental. And what is wisdom? Wisdom begins by the fear of God. Because wisdom is a foundation of every human experience. Okay? And remember, beloved, it is wisdom that unlocks the riches of divine truth. Yes. Mm -hmm. And wisdom can only be given to you when you have the fear of God. The fear of the, of, 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 of the Lord basically means you having reverence for him, whereby you have deep respect for God, where you honor God above everything else. Okay? You honor God more. You obey God even though it might feel like you're disobedient, you're, you're obeying him, and there is fruit. I'm not talking about this case whereby, on the one hand, you're saying, I would rather obey God than men, but there's no fruit. Because you cannot say you obey God and men, and yet there's arrogance and pride in you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about honoring God and yet maintaining humility. That is basically what I'm talking about. Because, friends, when we do not have the reverence of God in our lives, then I can, you can rest be assured that if the ideas that God, or rather that you have, let me, say, let me even say the ideas that God has given you, they'll not be infused with divine truth. Every idea that is of a creative nature must be infused with an element of divine truth, or else you'll only be left with human truth. And a lot of people have human truth in their ideas. And that's why the ideas are not bringing forth fruit. That is why you'll find a, a, a young Kenyan with a very good idea being conned by a corporate organization. 
they, 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 they buy your rights and pay you peanuts, and the company runs with the idea. So you'll only be left with the testimony, that was my idea, but you're broke. You're struggling. That's why you remember me telling you, time has come, especially for you guys. You must patent your ideas, and you must refuse to sell your ideas for a morsel of bread. Hmm? You get what I'm saying, church? Then I want to tell you something that God spoke to me. Your level of creativity is one that will take you to a place whereby sometime in the future, I don't know how long, it might maybe take a couple of years, I'm not so sure, but I'm telling you this, and you'll remember this service. There are people, not from this land, but from another land, I don't know which land it is, but from another land. They'll come and they'll present an offer to you. That offer will be very lucrative. That offer will be an offer that can make you see and see siblings and even your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren to live a life of tranquility and bliss. Be very careful on how you respond. Because that offer will be a snare. That which God has given to you, don't be tempted to exchange it. Because that, that, that thing which God has put in you is your birthright. It's going to happen. I don't know how long. And I'm not talking about Kenya, I'm talking about people from another land. Now I even don't know which land. I wish I could, but you see, what I'm sharing with you is in part. So I can only tell you what I know. Beyond that, I don't know. You're going to get an offer. Not in Kenyan shillings. So you better know what I mean. Hello? When that time comes, you will remember this service. You will remember this service. And you know me, when I give prophetic words, I'm not now, I, I don't have to change my voice. My voice is still deep. <laughs> I don't need to close my eyes. The Lord says, That idea, that idea. We are, we are past that. Me, I speak with my eyes open in a very relaxed way. I wish there was... You guys know me. Hey, hey. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Now, for those who do not know me, I love Jews. Yeah. It's not a love language. Yeah. Whenever I take Jews, that's when it's like this thing is stirred up. Mm. The same way the minstrel would always play and Elisha would move into the prophetic. Jews is good. And it's not seen. You get what I'm saying, beloved? When you have the fear of God, you will divorce yourself from demonic influence or from the influence of foolishness. Thank you for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.